Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I've got a fantastic guest for you today, but real quick before we get to them, I have to tell you about Certified Piedmontese because this is a brand I am so excited about. In fact, I will never forget the first time I had Certified Piedmontese. The crown jewel of my initial visit to Casa Bovina was a beautiful rib cap that was so lean and tender, it was almost silky in texture. The moment that beef hit my taste buds, I was hooked. These animals are raised all natural on a network of family ranches across the Midwest, so Certified Piedmontese is able to cut out the middleman and buy directly from the source. And while I highly encourage you to check out Casa Bovina, you can savor this beef at home, too. Whether you order off Piedmontese.com or by calling one 800 414-3487, your purchase will be shipped directly to your front door. Plus, when you use my discount code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. And now, to my guest. Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin', and I am just beyond excited to talk to today's guest. I've been wanting to get her on the show for months because from the first time I had Lyle's Pizzeria, I was just like, this crust is just something different than I've ever experienced, and I, I want to know more about it. I need to know more about this pizza, and today I get to learn more about it mm-hmm. with Chef Jean George. Gene, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast today. I could make it work. Yes. Mm -hmm. So before we even get started, a couple things to note. You have a very young restaurant still. You guys just opened on April 3rd of 2023, so a few months old as of recording this. Yep. Mm -hmm. Thriving. uh, Located at 52nd and Leavenworth. So if anyone's listening to this and they're just like, oh my gosh, I got to go try this pizza. Now they know where to find Mm -hmm. you. But we got to start, I think, from a high level because Omaha has a lot of pizza joints and a lot of varying styles of Uh pizza joints. So how would you describe Lyle's to someone who hasn't visited yet? What kind of sets your pizza apart? And I'm I'm not even saying makes it better because that's subjective, Mm -hmm. but what sets it apart from other pizza places in Omaha? Mm -hmm. Well, it's a sourdough crust, so it's fermented. Um, It's a fermented dough. It's always alive and changing and different. Um... We get our crust from uh, Lola's Bakery. Uh, Steve Bartolome is the baker there, and he started the sourdough culture that we use. Enough. And um, yeah, he's really great. And so that was really, you know, an awesome symbiotic relationship to have. Um, so over the winter, I would say we kind of I would take doughs home, test them, temperatures, because there's various steps to it. So they mix the dough, ferment the dough, and portion the dough, and then it comes up to us, then it's our turn. Then it's our turn to work with it, you know, um, different heat settings, um, how long it's been aged, you know, and things like that. So each pizza comes out um, a little bit different. They all have their little character to them. Um, I would say it's kind of like, it's not as big as a New York style, um, and it's not traditionally like Neapolitan style either, where it like flops and you fold it. Um, but since it's sourdough, it has a nice chew to it. Um, the crust tears really well, and it's just its own unique thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think each, you know, the sourdough pizza, I believe Via Farina does, is going to be different than our sourdough. Not all sourdoughs are the same. They're all different ages, and everyone has their own hydration levels. All these factors go into it. So we spent a lot of time just kind of toying with it, seeing what worked, Um we aren't a 
coal fire or wood fired oven either. It's a three deck oven. And so um, it's just, it's unique in its own way. It's Lyle's, it's Lyle's pizza. It's Lyle's. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned Lola's. I want to get into yep. that relationship real quick. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know what Lola's is, you are missing out. Yeah. It, it is a, it, it's a restaurant uh, in, in Dundee. Uh, just excellent bread. I mean, their their baking program, like you mentioned, run by Steve, is mm -hmm. phenomenal. But also have great breakfast and brunch. They do dinner. It's just a very nice, casual place to go get a bite to eat, maybe before see, seeing a movie or whatever. So I just wanted to explain what Lola's is. Mm -hmm. How did that relationship between Lola's and Lyle's come to be? Because that's pretty unique to have a bakery uh -huh. making your your dough for you. Obviously, you still have a ton of work to do as far as topping it cooking it off doing all that stuff but to have like these bread experts already mm -hmm. kind of integrated into your process how did that come so lola's um needed to expand their bakery operations they're outgrowing the space that they had in their cafe they opened up a cafe called fig at the luminarium and doing all their own breads there as well so they needed more space um lyle's we were doing lyle's so lyle's is a part of altogether hospitality uh, which is a newer restaurant group in town. Um, but so I was asked to be involved in creating the the concept, um, the the idea and the feel of the restaurant and the menu and all of that too. Um, I've been cooking for about 10 years. But, you know, how our relationship with Lola's came about, I would say is, you know, um, a lot of us are friends in the industry. I used to work at Lola's before, you know, back in 2019. Um, so it's a lot of networking and, you know, people knowing each other and making relationships. And so, you know, the opportunity came up where um, we got the Max I Walker building um, is what Lyle's was before it became Lyle's. And it has a whole basement in the, the basement, sorry, <laughs> the whole basement in the basement where we did their bakery for them. They rent that space from us to do all their baking operations. And we, uh, in turn, um, buy all of our dough in bulk from them. I love to see restaurants work together like that. It's cool to see like that symbiotic relationship where mm -hmm. there's two places helping each other. Yeah. I found a, an interview that you did with KUTV and you had a mm -hmm. quote in there that I think just perfectly summed up what I love about Lyle's. You said, everything is just simple and focused. Mm -hmm. It's fresh and approachable. And I, I think that that just sums up Lyle so perfectly because it's a smaller restaurant. Yeah. The menu's pretty pretty condensed. It's only a few pizzas, a few apps, some drinks. I think there's one dessert. And no pizza has more than like four or five toppings. Mm -hmm. You're not trying to do everything. But what you are doing, you're trying to do really, really well. How does just that concept of simple and focused kind of define what you're doing at Lyle's? Um, that's how I like to eat. Those are the places that, you know, I think, uh, I think simplicity and things done well and creative things still done in a simple way, um, our people are drawn to that. And I think for what I wanted Lyle's to be, um, I think a lot about, I thought a lot about the concept of, you know, a third space. Um, it's not home, it's not work, it's where you go in between um, for some people, you know, that's um, another a community group that they do. For some people, that's a coffee shop, you know. Um, for other people, that's gym or a church, you know. Uh, so I wanted, knowing that we were going to be in this neighborhood spot, I wanted something that fit of like a 
cafe vibe that was simple and approachable in there, um, seasonal, fresh. And uh, I think people really enjoy eating that way when they're also spending time together um, in a more kind of casual neighborhood setting, you know. So and that's how I like to cook. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people like to cook seasonally, um, but I still like the classics there. And I also don't think that this pizza needs much, but I still want to have some fun there and do some fun, and fun, different thing. You definitely have your fun. We're going to get into some of the specials because yeah. you, you you have some fun with those. Those yeah. those get a little bit out there. But I want to um, I, I, I want to talk about the simplicity mm-hmm. and, and having that pared down menu. And I don't want to speak for you, but just from talking to other chefs and restaurateurs, so often their minds are just constantly going. They are thinking about food all the time that when they're eating, they're thinking about how can I incorporate these flavors into dishes I'm doing or techniques, or they'll wake up in the middle of the night and have a great idea and have to have a notebook by their bedside and write stuff down. I I don't know if that's how it is for you, but, but if it is, and you've just got all these ideas in your head all the time, and you're constantly thinking of things, how do you train yourself with a discipline to say, I have all this stuff, I'm all, I'm going to condense it down and only use a few of them right now. Maybe I can unleash some as specials, but I need to keep this clean and condensed. How did you develop that discipline? Um, a lot of trial and error, you know. Um, and well, before Lyles, I ran the kitchen at La Bouvette for a few years, um, starting in 2020. And so about three years there. And I learned a lot there about changing things on the fly and cooking with seasonality. You know, there was just that right side of the specials menu that we changed almost every day. And so when, you know, you're flying through things every day and you get to work and you're like, okay, well, what am I going to make for the next two days? So I'm kind of seeing, you know, being creative with what you have and also with your time too. Um, with how much you can actually make and prepare. And um, I think that training really helped me edit myself a lot. And um, I also really like, I've always cooked just like simple, clean, fresh. um, And it works for this style of pizza as well. So, um, but I used to get quite out there a little bit, but trial and error and seeing what people respond to. People generally come back to the classics. People come back to what they know and what's familiar. But I also love being able to show people new creative different things and the little adventure there too because eating's fun Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i want to get into the dough a little Mm -hmm. bit because i think that's one of the things the dough and then how you cook it and create that crust that's one of the things that makes lyle's most unique because you even mentioned it like yeah it's sourdough and you might find a couple other places in omaha that do sourdough crust Mm -hmm but their cooking process is not producing the same product. Can you just kind of take me through, like, this is a sourdough starter that's been cultivated for years, so it's had time to, like, mature and and grow. What does that actually, like, mean, and what does that do to the dough? Because I think people hear that, and they hear the words ferment, they hear sourdough, they hear sourdough starter, especially after 2020 when we were all cooking bread at home, and they kind of have a general idea of what that is, but what does that actually do to the crust, having that sourdough? So, um, since sourdough is alive, it's not, you know, a yeast culture, um, it's bacteria, it's, uh, you know, so that's, so when you feed a dough, it's, they eat the sugars in the flowers and they create gas. 
and bubbles. And that's what your leavening ingredient is. Um, so sourdough is alive. So, you know, you feed it every day with a mixture of flour and water. And then it expands. You use what you need as your your leavening agents. Um, so this sourdough is just flour, water, and the starter each day. And then you save some of it. You feed it. People name their sourdough starters. I'm not sure what Steve has his name, but like <laughs> I had a test one at home over COVID that I would do. You know, everyone baked bread. And I'm still learning about bread and doughs every day, you know. I only really started getting into the baking and dough world about four or five years ago. So um, I'm still learning every day. And um, if you told me three or four years ago I'd be opening up a pizzeria place, um, I would have been like, well, I wouldn't have predicted that trajectory, <laughs> you know. Um, I always, you know, wanted to have my own cafe someday um, with more, you know, small plates and seasonality focused, more maybe entrees and things like that. And I think I'll start to tiptoe into that a little bit more with Lyle's, but still keep it really focused and simple. And I do want to get some more small plates on there. Um, but so when I got offered the opportunity to be a part of this team opening up Lyle's and kind of give me some creative avenue, um, I thought the place would be really special. And I was like, all right, we're doing pizza then, you know? So that's how this, how it's like, we're going to make a pizzeria. So I just delved into pizza for nine months. You know, I researched and read and from what I knew about dough, tried to take what I knew about dough and pair it with, you know, working with Steve and what he knows about dough um, and a lot of the trial and error of like, how do we store it? Because it is alive, you know. Um, you know, day one dough is going to be different than day three dough, um, because it's constantly, um, fermenting and changing, you know? And so that's why, um, this sourdough is like it is. I think we went off on a little tangent there. But, I love tangents. Tangents are but, great. Yeah. So, um, for sourdough, for what this is, you know, um, I know a lot of pizzerias that do yeasted dough, from, in my research at least, you know, will make their dough either the day before or the day of. This is like a 48-hour process before it actually gets to us. Um, so um, it's just a different type of living thing. And I think all those things that you mentioned, especially just there at the end when you said it's a living thing, that's why I feel like no, Lyle, no two Lyle's pizzas, even if you order the exact same thing, you could come every day and get a margarita pizza and it's going to look a little bit different every time. Everyone has like its own individual fingerprint because there's going to mm -hmm. be little pockets that bubble up. There are going to be places, you know, that, that have that a little extra char on it. Mm -hmm. just, and it's hand stretched, you yes. know. So um, I was like, even in the last four months, like I've grown so much more even in pizza world. So, and my crew is doing really great, you know, and, you know, like we said, we're just getting started. So what do you think has been like the most impactful or influential thing you've learned about pizza in the last four months? Uh, everybody loves it and everybody <laughs> has a different opinion about what the best pizza is. Oh and I gosh. think, uh, everybody loves pizza. We can't have enough pizza places, in my opinion. So, but no, and also like um, most impactful too is just kind of uh, we're still doing a lot of, I think, education of what we are, you know, since there are so many styles of pizza out there and we're a little bit off the beaten path. Um, but I think we're doing something really cool for the neighborhood and want everyone to come by. You're absolutely doing something pizza. cool. Mm -hmm. uh, the last thing that I really want to talk about with this pizza 
I mean, there are more things, but about the dough specifically is like, what amazes me about your pizza is you, you mentioned there's no flop to it. There is no flop. You can take mm -hmm. a piece of Lyle's pizza and hold it up vertically and it will stand. And I think that that's really cool. It mm -hmm. gives it kind of that, that texture and a little bit of crispiness to it. What is it about your dough or the way that you cook it that gives it that, that integrity and that structure? Well, I think once the dough um, bakes and settles, I think how that sourdough specifically chars the bottom of it. And we don't bake ours at like a super high, high, high temperature. Um, I know there's some like Neapolitan places, it's like three minutes and your pizza's done. And so I don't think that sear really develops on the bottom. So we cook our pizzas at still a high temperature, but it's not 900 degrees. We cook ours at about 550 um, and our deck oven has two uh, heating elements. There's a top heating element and a bottom heating element, and you can kind of change those. Like 60% of the heat will be from the top and 30% from the bottom. So we've we've worked a lot, or I've tweaked a lot of like what is the best temperature on the bottom and the top to do this. And we'll have to change that throughout the day too, depending on how often we're opening that oven door or not. It'll cool off, so then we'll need to turn the bottom heating element up a little bit to balance it. So... There is like a feel you have to get for it because um, this pizza, you know, once it's perfect, like it will burn in like two minutes if you're not paying attention to it. And that's what we don't want. But we do want to get those charred little bubbles. So the bake of the pizza is something that you just got to get a feel for um, and know when it's ready to take out to get that correct bake on the bottom. I've definitely tested out before where it was too high of a heat and I got some char bubbles, but the rest of it was underbaked. You know, so it, it's a balance of what that perfect temperature is and timing to finish cooking the bottom of that pizza. I, some styles like that, you want that flop, but I think our pizza is better. I would agree. Mm -hmm. And holy cow, I just got like anxiety. My anxiety levels just went up just hearing you talk about, oh, yeah, we got to get, you know, 60% of the heat here, 40% here. I'm sure you have to move the pizzas around the oven. Oh, it changes by the time of the day. Yeah. Like, I cannot imagine what that was like for you, especially not having a background specifically in pizza, mm -hmm. coming in and having to level up your pizza game so fast. I know that you said you basically did a nine-month deep dive, and you did a bunch uh -huh. of reading, and I'm sure just unbelievable levels of experimenting, but, like, how? How, do, how did you level up your pizza game to get to the point where I you had this understanding best. now? <laughs> I just became... It was my life, you know, you know, so I just became obsessed with it and I wanted to nail it. And I think people are learning every day. That's the cool thing about cooking. And I think why I became a chef um, is you can be doing it for 30 years and still learn something new. And so I, you know, just delved into it and was like, I chose to do a pizzeria. So we're going to do it. And yeah, we're only going to get better and better too. And it, yeah, it is getting better. I can confirm that. Mm -hmm. I, I find it so fascinating that your two main stops, at least that we've talked about before, Lyle's, were um, Lola's and La Bouvette. These are two places that really showcase that restraint and that simplicity and just letting great ingredients shine. Like if you go to Lola's and get a, a sandwich, it's going to have three or four ingredients, yeah. but it's going to be amazing meat amazing bread maybe a good spread and like a high quality cheese and i see that now translate to lyle's because if you go to lyle's you're not going to get a pizza with eight different toppings on there's no combo pizza at lyle's and it's like margarita pepperoni 
uh, you know, they're, I think the one that has the most toppings has like six, but they are. The sausage pizza has the most, I believe. Yes. Mm-hmm. But they're, they are reined in and simple. Mm-hmm. What is to you, what's the benefit of, of keeping a pizza simple versus just loading on toppings, loading on toppings? Um, I think when you keep it simple, you can showcase ingredients for what they are, whether that be produce or, you know, cheese or the sauce on its own. Um, I think when people think of ingredients and pizza toppings, they're like meat, veggie, but there's more, you know, cheese is a, you know, there's many, the world of cheese we know is vast and great. So like, let's showcase just what we're, you know, whatever cheese we're trying to portray is, you know. Um, So I just think like letting ingredients speak for themselves. I do think there's room for fun pies, though. So the the crew is coming up with some kind of wacky ideas. And I think, you know, you should have fun with it, too. But in, like, a general, like, set menu standard, just letting letting ingredients speak for themselves. Because they don't need much more. You know, a mushroom with salt and pepper on it is delicious. Oh, my God. You know, just simple things like that. And, and you got, like, you've had a, a pesto potato pie on the menu. Like, th- there are things that are different. Mm-hmm. And your specials that's where you have some fun so a couple specials that you've had over the last couple months you had a pizza with peach peaches goat cheese hot honey and hatch chilies Mm -hmm. which that about had me drooling when i saw it but you don't see peaches on pizza very often Mm -hmm. you had another one that was ricotta zucchini green grapes mint and olive oil i mean that that's a little out there too so i mean these specials so far have kind of been your your way of unleashing that that creativity, that chefy mm-hmm. side. How are you coming up with those? Um, I kind of, you know, seasonality, like hatched chilies, I decided to do because, you know, they were everywhere, you know. Um, so I was like, hatched chili peaches are in season. And, you know, so it's like, okay, start off with what's seasonal, what's available, because those things always taste the best anyway. Um, and then what flavors and textures pair with them um you know just like how wine pairs with food in various ways like what complements each other so then you kind of build it from there but you know still keeping it simple like like well goat cheese and peaches is great together so let's throw that on there and then honey was just like to add a little sweet heat element and then I was like that's I you know throw some basil on there too which I thought would be really good but just kind of building around um, a single ingredient first is generally what I do. I like that. Yeah. So uh, you kind of talked about with the menu and ways that you're looking at kind of growing it and adapting it, maybe adding some more small plates. As as a restaurateur, you come into a restaurant with an idea of, wh- of what your pizzeria is going to be, but then over time, based off of how much oven space we have, how much storage space we have, uh, you know, what kind of ingredients can we get? What menu items are the customers vibing with? What are they not vibing with? Your plan doesn't necessarily have to change, but it does have to be flexible. Yeah. How, like, how do you balance that between sticking to your original idea and saying, this is what I want Lyle's to be versus also being able to adapt and say, I think that there's ways for it to grow as well. Um, why there's a reason why I kind of been slowly, you know, tiptoeing into it, you know, just because, you know, we're still new seeing what the response is like and gathering data, you know, how much, you know, we're doing of this or that and what's, you know, things with like 
yeah, storage space. How do we make things work efficiently on the line um, that are still time efficient? So there is some, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like strategy behind mm-hmm. why you're going to put something on, you know, and how long does it take on the line? Is it going to overwhelm the kitchen? Is it going to back things up? So I've been kind of mulling over what would work. I mean, we don't have a hood. We don't have a fryer. We don't have a saute. We just have, you know, our deck oven and a couple smaller uh, convection ovens to warm some things up in too. So it's, you know, kind of like what can I make work with the space that we have and the equipment that we have and keeping things efficient and executed well Mm -hmm. also. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's another menu item that we absolutely have to talk about. Mm -hmm. I think you know what I'm about to say. The uh, mozzarella, goodness, I can't talk, mozzarella pesto roll. I I specifically remember I came in with a group of guys on one of my first trips to Lyle's and it was kind of like, oh, we're waiting for our pizzas, you know, let's get something to share. So we ordered one of those Mm -hmm. and we we like cut into it and took a bite and immediately we like hailed our waiter. We were like, yeah, we're going to need another one of these. It's so (laughs) stinking good. So just... Tell me whatever you want to tell me about this role because it is, it it sounds simple. It sounds like something that maybe listeners, if they haven't had, they're like, oh, that sounds kind of familiar. No, you've never had anything like this. Well, uh, when I was developing the menu back in last, oh, August, September, um, and sort of doing some R&D, um, I knew I wanted something. And the menu from my first, like, one that I planned out has, like, evolved, like, eight times. But um, the pesto roll was always I wanted to do, like, some sort of fun, shareable or on-your-own bread, bready thing. Um, and I wanted it to visually be big and fluffy. And I was like, all right, well, how do I do that? And I first thought of, well, a cinnamon roll. Um, cinnamon rolls kind of mimic my idea. of So it's like a play on, like, a cinnamon roll, but savory. But um, in a lot of my, like, dough research over the last few years, too, um, I started to play around with uh, Japanese milk bread dough recipes. Um, from what I found, you know, so in my research of the Japanese milk bread dough, which I'm, you know, still learning all the time, um, you cook flour with water and milk and it gelatinizes the starches there. So it's like its own little starter. Like you can make it a couple of days in advance and it looks like pancake batter. And so that is like uh, gelatinized starches. So I think it helps develop the gluten structures in there and it helps make a really fluffy pull apart dough um, because those gluten structures with since they're already pre gelatinized can withhold more of a beating, which allows the texture to develop from what I've learned. But I think my results worked in a way that I like. So um, and then. We roll it up with a bunch of cream cheese and garlic and all the good stuff and let it proof. And then we bake it and it kind of turns this pull apart thing. And I was like, well, let's top it with pesto. And I always tell all my cooks, I was like, I want it to look like a mountain peak of cheese on top. <laughs> so it really just came with a visual idea and a, a idea of how people will eat it and share it. And then just I made hundreds of rolls at home. My partner, Johnny, was like, oh, more rolls. <laughs> Same thing with pizza, too. Uh-huh. Made a lot of pizzas in the garage. Johnny's had a lot of carbs over the last <laughs> year, yeah. so I would imagine. Mm-hmm. But 
I mean, there are worse jobs to have than a taste job. tester for your restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, the the role has become something where maybe not if I'm coming in by myself, but if I'm e- at least with one other person, I'm like, yeah, we're getting pizzas and we're sharing this. I don't care if you yep. want it or not, because once you bite into it, you are going to want it. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. That's the pesto roll. Awesome. So big, big fluffy ball of bread and cheese. Big fluffy ball of bread and cheese. I yep. think that might just need to be what it's called on the menu yep. now. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> hey there, listeners. We'll get back to my guest in a minute, but I got to remind you one more time about certified Piedmontese. There are certain moments in your life that are so remarkable, you'll just never forget them. I distinctly remember the first time that I watched LeBron James play basketball and the first time I saw the original Star Wars. The sheer awe I had in those moments changed the way I look at basketball and movies, respectively, moving forward. The same goes to steak, thanks to certified Piedmontese. The rib cap at Casa Bovina is so rich, decadent, and fork tender that it is seared into my brain. But you don't have to dine at Casa Bovina to have that same life-changing experience. This beef is so delicious, even the average home cook can look like a superstar using these steaks, roasts, and ground beef. Trust me, I know from experience. Check out all the options on certifiedpiedmontese.com and use my promo code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, for 25% off your order. It's time to start creating new beef-centric memories that'll stay with you forever. And now, back to my guest. Uh, So as we get into the background of the restaurant, I think we need to... We need to understand who Lyle is. Mm-hmm. Now, my understanding is he was a beloved family pet at uh-huh. some point who is who is no longer with us. But, like, I love my dog. Yeah. If I started a restaurant tomorrow, I don't even name my dog or my restaurant Benny's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lyle must have been obviously yeah. very special. What made Lyle so influential that he's represented in the restaurant's name? Well, Lyle wasn't my dog. He was uh, Phil Shavert's dog, who is a part of the Altogether Hospitality Management Group and um, a partner in Lyle's, an owner as well. And so he was the one who came to me with this concept of Lyle to see if I wanted to partner with him and take the project on in conception and execution and all of that. Um, So he had Lyle for a long time. It was his son's dog and, you know, just his beloved family pet you i'm sure gave them many years of joy and so mm-hmm. now he has a pizza place mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how did you get into cooking originally um i started cooking probably in 2012 or 2013 and i always like cooked at home you know home cook and things like that um but my first foray into like professional cooking was at lot two it was a restaurant in benson closed a few years ago so um I was in college for a couple years um was in film school originally really a couple years yep uh uh-huh and then life took its path and I found myself in Omaha and I started to work at lot two and one day asked the chef there Joel Marr who's amazing he was my first mentor and still is a great mentor of mine um I was like hey I want to learn prep I want to, I was at the time serving and bartending there. Um, and I was like, you know, because his food's amazing. It was super influential to me. And, you know, I learned a lot from him and I was just like, I want to prep. So he put me on a couple days a week and I started and found I really had a knack for it um, and just delved into it and slowly 
made my way more into the kitchen and less in the front of house. And um, I also worked at the French Bulldog for a few years, a um, couple years there before they closed. And Bryce is another great mentor of mine. He started to teach me how to, you know, break down hogs, like half hogs and what pork belly is and how to make bacon. And so just kind of, I guess I just kept adding on to my skills and, um, I did culinary school. I tried culinary school for about a half year, but I ended up just working, working instead. Um, I think, uh, kitchens are tough and it takes a certain, certain, you know, personality and gusto to really throw yourself in there. Uh, and I just kept going and networking and meeting people and working. And now I'm here 10 years later. Mm -hmm. I just kind of had an interest in it, started it, found I had a knack for it, um, started to learn a lot more about wine and um, kind of became a career. Mm -hmm. I love that you say that working in a kitchen requires a specific personality, a specific mm -hmm. mindset. And I would agree with that 100%. Uh, just that that lifestyle, the hours, the pressure, the intensity, the mm -hmm. the creativity yeah. that you have to have, like that's not something that everyone has. And some people work one or two services, and they're just like, "I'm out, I'm done." Yeah. So what what do you think it is about your personality that even going back to lot two, you found yourself you're working front of house, but mm -hmm. you found yourself gravitating towards that kitchen more and more. What was it that drew you to it? Um, I think there's something. Um really reward I think our industry is really rewarding in a lot of ways of it's really rewarding to and it feels really good to make something and have people enjoy it and have that be the centerpiece of celebrations and time spent together and that part of the hospitality industry you know it's really great to feel you know that you provided something that people are really enjoying um, like even down to like, you know, baking cookies for friends. I always, you know, love that part of that, you know, it's a really rewarding thing to make other people happy with something that you made and put your own like heart into. So I think that is something that's, you know, why the restaurant industry, I just kind of fell, fell into. Um, it's a, you know, going back to the concept of third spaces, that I've thought about a lot, you know, uh, it's not work, it's not home, it's your third space, it's where people spend a lot of time, and um, I love to be able to provide a space like that, that I hope people, you know, enjoy as well, so it's a really rewarding thing to, you know, make other people feel good and have a good time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Getting into culinary school, you said you, you went for a couple months, and it just, it, it wasn't for you. Yeah. I you find such varied opinions on that subject yeah. of whether culinary school is is necessary. Some people will just say, "Yes, I learned so much there. I learned so many techniques. I made friends, I made connections." And other people say, "You know, I just needed to get into the workforce and just learn on the job." Mm -hmm. For you, what do you think in I'm not asking you to say anything bad about culinary school because like I said, it's a great thing for some people, but for you, what made on the job training, probably a better avenue for, for you? Um, I think there was just like the hustle and, um, more, I don't want to say more trial and error than like a structured setting of a school where there is, you know, you're there to learn, you're going to make mistakes and stuff. 
Um, I, you know, if I were to go back to culinary school, I'd go for pastry, um, like more baking specifics, like all of that. But as far as like the savory side of what I was into and doing, um, working just worked better for me. Um, I know I have a lot of great friends who did culinary school and they're super talented, you know, and that's what worked for them. And I chose to just work. I had, cause I also had really great, I was really lucky to be working with really great mentors at the same time. You know, um, if I wasn't working in, in places that I felt that I could grow in and learn from, it might be a different story. So I was lucky to have a good, good team to work with too. So, um, that's why I continued to, to work. Now you talked about what originally drew you to the kitchen and the things that you were doing at first, you were doing prep work at lot two and then doing some cookie cooking, not cookies. And then, uh, you, you know, you, you talked about, you were breaking down whole hogs. You learned how to butcher and stuff. Those are awesome skills. They are very, very different from baking. Baking is yeah. baking is like a baking and bread are like a science. I mean, it is so much measuring and temperatures and times and not that that stuff isn't involved in cooking but like when you bake something there's no i shouldn't say there's no but it's much harder to adjust it on the fly more variables yeah like you know fix something you know sometimes you scrap and start over um a lot more more variables in in baking that need to be more precise when i'm you know still learning a lot about that that world too so, so that wasn't where you got your start, but what was it that kind of drew you to baking and bread making? Um, just learning another skill set. It's also a super uh, pastoral thing to do, um, like getting to Bouvet early in the mornings at 6 a.m. If it was my bread shift was just a very, I really enjoyed. It was very zen. It was very, you know, um, a pastoral process. It felt really connected. And again, like, seeing a a lump of gooey slop be shaped and turned into something is, you know, really cool. So I think, yeah, bread and baking is cool and a lifelong skill. So. I think La Bouvette is just one of Omaha's most unique and probably most special restaurants. Mm-hmm. And you're just not going to find anything like it. A place that has that type of bread. And then you mentioned it earlier. I mean, most of the menu, not most, but there's like... A, a set of appetizers and stuff, but in terms of entrees, that menu's changing like every day. Yeah. You're like handing like handwritten menus to customers we write it in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's incredible. I can only imagine what that taught you as a chef. As you mm-hmm. look at your career now and what you do at Lyles, how did that experience at La Bouvette kind of shape you into who you are? Um, problem solving. Um efficiency time management all the above Uh uh-huh um work you know really developing a strong work ethic and um finding ways to be creative um you know it's 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 a it can be a grind but you do get better at it you get quicker um so i would say those those things definitely like efficiency thinking on your toes problem solving um you know oh i have four pounds of ginger, you know, left over from maybe another recipe. Um, can I utilize those? And, oh, well, maybe, oh, well, watermelon's in season or the farmer's market's going on. Maybe I can take this leftover ginger and do like a watermelon salad. What else, you know, can I go get orders around, you know? So I think I really developed 
some strong um just like kind of creative problem solving you know and then you know we'd plan things out and we had our main you know our mainstays as well but uh it was a really great to have creative freedom like that also going back to like learning to hone things in and edit things in um and cook more more practically and uh but still done well creative and flavorful um not all of my things have been hits i've had a few misses but that's okay oh absolutely mm-hmm. yeah I mean, that applies for everything yeah so you said you know if you would have told yourself four years ago that you'd be opening a pizzeria mm-hmm. that wouldn't have even been on the radar mm-hmm. so how did the opportunity to open lyle's and be involved in this project arise mm-hmm. well um phil schaefer um had this plan to open up Lyle's Pizzeria. They got this building and they're like, all right, well, who can we bring in to kind of take this on and help us develop it and turn it into what it is? And um, so I used to work with Phil Schaefert. I met him originally through um, my friend Matt Baum, who I worked with at French Bulldog. So Matt Baum went on to open up, help Phil opened up one of the, his first restaurants, which is the Meatball, about 10, how long have they been open now? Since 2016. Um, French Bulldog had just closed. Um, I was still at Lot 2. Um, and Matt Baum approached me if I wanted to, because we worked really well together at French Bulldog, so he approached me if I wanted to help him open up Meatball way back in the day. Um Helped him do that for a year and then got to know Phil Schaefer very well through that. Um, Phil um, is also, yeah, just been a a friend throughout the years. And uh, I went on to do Bouvette and I've worked at a handful of other restaurants in town, learning everywhere I go. And then um, I was at Bouvette when this opportunity came and uh, he asked me if I wanted to be involved. And I said, let's do it. And then I eat pizza for the next night. <laughs> I, I want to talk about that more because mm-hmm. pizza is, I was going to say it's a difficult thing to master, but I don't think anyone has actually mastered it. It, it oh. is it is such a science. And I know uh, pizza makers he, here in Omaha that have been open for more than a decade and they still tinker with their dough and their mm-hmm. moisture levels and how much salt and their cook times and their temperatures and what area of the oven does the pizza need to start in? What does it need to finish in? How many pizzas can I cook at once? Like, there's so Lots of variables. Yeah, so much that goes into it. When Phil approaches you with this idea, I'm sure that you were excited, but was there any part of you, especially as you start your, like, pizza deep dive research, were, were you intimidated at all? Was it just yeah. like, oh, my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? Yeah, yeah, you know, I am definitely had sleepless nights of, like, am I going to be able to pull this off? This is, you know... So it's, you know, am I going to execute this? Well, no one wants to fail, right? You know, and everyone wants their product to be well-received. So, um, but you just got to do it. Got to do it. You got to be scared sometimes. And, and, you know, I'm still tinkering all the time and figuring things out. But uh, got to have, you know, I have a great team behind me. And I have a lot of support as well. And um, definitely didn't do this alone or anything, Um, but uh, definitely, you know, had my fears and, and, you know, um, because the people love their pizza, but um, 
you just got to do it. And um, I've always kind of lived with my own personal philosophy. Like if you're going to do something, do it well. And if you try really hard and um, all the elements come together, you'll probably do all right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now I'm using the term master in air quotes here, yeah. but what was the toughest part for you of mastering pizza? Um, the cook, the cook and, um, learning how the dough behaves after day one, day two, day three, um, and how to store it on the line, all those variables, um, where it was something of tri- trial and error. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about how the dough responds after day one, day two, day three, what are the differences? Um, well, it depends on how humid was it that day. Um, did they get too cold in the walk-in? Uh, did, were they not stored right on the line? You know, how, how, you know, all these variables of how much moisture is in the air, how hot it is, how cold it is. Um, do you let it come to room temperature for five minutes before you even put it in the oven? Do you take it out when it is fridge cold and then shape it and put it in the oven? Uh, do you want to... You know, all this, do I want the dough to, you know, sit out for 10 minutes before we start shaping it? Um, How much dough can we have out at a time? You know, all the variables of like, yeah, time, temperature, all the above. So again, if anyone is listening to or watching this and they don't have a complete newfound respect for their favorite pizzeria, they should know because it is just wildly difficult. And I think... You know, there's there's more that you can learn every single time that you cook. At, at what point, you, you know, you kind of mentioned that nine-month process. At what point did you feel like, okay, I'm confident now. I think I've got, it's not mastered, mm-hmm. still working on it, still tinkering, but I'm at a point where I feel like I can make restaurant-quality pizzas that I'm proud to serve to people. Um, I was still, until we, because I was only practicing at home on an uni oven, um, and so I, you know, and I didn't have a ton of practice with like the actual oven we were going to be using, but a couple other ovens here and there. Um, so I was ready to just kind of get going and really fine tune it in, you know, the restaurant we were going to be cooking out of. So I think I got to the point, you know, about December, January, you know, and we had some delays, like always, always and um, ready to just like, I've done as much as I can. Um, at home, where I can R and D, um, the the it's been coming that the same. I'm really starting to learn more about the dough and working with the dough. So I think around like J Radio is feeling good about like I know the product that I'm doing at home is good, so it can only get better when we get going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so take me back to opening day. Mm-hmm. What do you remember most? What pops to the front of your mind? Um, I was really anxious. Uh, I knew we were going to be really busy and it was just, uh, you know, I think if you put pizzeria on any building, people are like, well, what kind, what is this place? You know? Um, and here we have, uh, rotating wine list. I don't offer ranch. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, uh, so, but I really did feel I was anxious, but then once we got going, it felt really like natural and good. And the community response was 
really great. And people, you know, we're really lucky to be in Omaha where it's a super supportive food food scene anyway. And um, we have a really great community around us. And so then it was just opening day was like, all right, we're doing this. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned or we've mentioned Lyle's has a very unique style of pizza. It's mm-hmm. different than anything else in the city, I would say. And as you've said, people have very strong opinions about pizza. They have their favorite styles. As people are trying this for the first time and they're getting it, you know, maybe their first experience with sourdough pizza, what were some of the the comments and the the response that you got? Um, I think people have varying uh, ideas of what like charred is and what maybe burnt is. Um, <laughs> and that's so. fine. You yeah. know, it's subjective. You like what you know you like. Do you want it to be more golden? I would say, you know, come in expecting, you know, we do have some char there. It's just naturally how it bakes, the temperature. It's a part of the style. Um, it's supposed to have a little bittery bits to it and it's going to have a nice chew um i suggest getting honey to dip your crust in when you are done Ooh, now that's i've had the hot honey on the sausage yeah. pizza but i'm not di- oh we'll man a side of honey. That, that's a game changer right yeah. there as if i need another reason to come back mm-hmm. uh i want to talk a little bit about the design of the restaurant too because i feel like it's it's like an homage to omaha you've got a lot of pictures of like classic omaha scenes from over the decades in there and specifically it's an homage to Dundee and I saw another interview that you did I think it said you've lived in Dundee for like 14 years yeah I've been I've been in Dundee in Midtown since like 2009 okay Mm -hmm. so in that general area Mm -hmm. why was it so important for you to bring something to that area specifically well um a lot of people who you know we were moving into a place in a building that's been there since, I believe, the late 30s or 40s. Um, it's seen the neighborhood evolve and grow. It's, you know, a lot of people who live in that area of town uh, are third-generation families there. Um, they've raised their family there, their kids there. People come back to live there. It's definitely where I feel at home. And... Um, being a building that's been established already in that area that people have drove by for years and years and years and years. I wanted it to still be a part of, you know, what it's always been a part of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How much did you get to speak into the design of the restaurant itself? Um, we worked with a really great company called JH Design. They, um, one of the designers there, Brianna, she's really great kind of, you know, had had the vision of the layout and like some booths and colors picked out um and i came on and uh i got a lot of say of like you know let's do these colors here let you know pick out the floor together um but you know uh i'm not an interior designer but i you know had an idea of what i wanted the vibe to to be like and uh and that was really translated well by jh design but um I picked out all the artwork and um, worked with Brianna on the the flow and vibe of everything. Um, The tile floor, when we decided to do that, was like kind of like, all right, now we had more of a direction of where we can take take things. And so um, we talked about, you know, maybe doing like old vistas of like 
Italy and have that cafe vibe. And um, I saw this, I was looking on the Durham archives website and I saw this picture of Dodd Street, an aerial view in the 50s of a tra traffic jam. And that's actually down on Douglas Street. And it was all these cool, like 50s sleek cars and the sun was glinting off them. And I was like, that could be Italy. It's not. <laughs> it's, it's Douglas <laughs> County in 1954. Um, and so then I was like, you know, we can get that same vibe of, you know, Italian cafe. But um, I think that vibe's always been here. It's, you know, uh, so I found a cool photo. I mean, we scrolled, uh, me and my good friend Riley, who is uh, one of the managers there, we scrolled the Durham website and like found photos that we thought would really. And we have some photos of people with their dogs there. We kind of have a little yes, bit of yeah. a dog theme, but, you know, why not? And um, so just kind of some homage to that. And then uh, we found a cool photo of, some kids being teenagers in the 60s doing teenager things at Memorial Park and one guy's laying on a car so we just found things that kind of felt like you could you know see the history of Omaha and Midtown and Dundee and, and downtown and Elmwood yeah I, I think it's really cool and I think it you know you've brought up the term third space several times and I think that just that design it just feels welcome it like it's a place that you just want to go spend an hour whether you're gonna have pizza whether you're gonna just come and share you know a couple small plates whether you're gonna grab a bottle of wine like it's it's an inviting space yeah. now why the open kitchen um it's you know i think it's fun to kind of see a kitchen at work um i love the open pass there um it just kind of connects everybody together and it keeps it cooler that's a good point. I do. I love open kitchens in general because it, as a restaurant nerd, I'm just fascinated watching, you know, watching cooks prepare stuff. I, I think that that's really fun. But as I was thinking about it, preparing for this, pizza places especially have that open kitchen vibe. I was just thinking about Moots is brand new, but they, they've got one. Uh, Via, Via Farina, Dante, Virtuoso. I mean, at all these places, you can watch your pizza be cooked and you know as you're waiting for it is is there something is is that just random or is there something to that in a pizzeria just that that element of you know, being able to see your food i think it's just an energy yeah an energy that carries through through the space um i'm sure there's probably practical reasons why it started that way whether you know if you're doing wood fired it helps with ventilation or you know i'm sure there's other practical reasons why it's became become kind of a a main stay and like why you see that everywhere but i do think it's maybe it stayed because the energy is just just great with an open kitchen mm -hmm. well, we've talked a little bit about the future of lyle's and and some of the things that you want to add some of mm -hmm. some things that you want to adapt and obviously with a restaurant that's only three or four months old there's a no, there's a lot that's gonna about. change yeah when you look into the future of lyle's what do you see um well we have a patio in the works Awesome. Uh, that. That will be really vibey and fun. And um, eventually want to do brunch. Really? But like casual, okay. like breakfast pizza. Like, oh my God. And then when they're gone, they're, they're gone. You know, like we'll have a finite amount of brunch stuff. But yeah, brunch, um, I'd like to start, you know, 
having like a, you know, we're working on our, our bar and wine program too. Um, would like to have like a reserve list in the works, um, do some more fun things with Amaro and wine pairings. Um, would like to do a wine paired dinner at some point with not just pizza, but other plates of, I don't know what yet, but something with like an entree, you know, five, six courses with pizza being one of them and just kind of slowly expand into um, a ca- like a pizzeria and cafe, you know, have more fun things and community involvement. And I already love Lyles. If you started doing wine dinners and breakfast pizza, and now that oh, the, where they're all in the works. Oh my gosh! And now that I know I can dip the crust in the honey, you're gonna have to get like a restraining order against me. I'm gonna be there so Great. much. Oh, uh, okay. As we wrap up here, two. I got two questions for you that I like to ask just about every guest I have on the episode. And the first one I think is really good for just customer knowledge. What is one thing that you think most of your guest, not not even most of your guests, but just diners in general, what do they not understand about the restaurant industry or kitchen life that you wish they did understand? Um, that everyone is there to put out the best product and give people the best hospitable service that, you know, we can. Um, that's what we're there for. And, um, I think Everyone should work in the restaurant industry or any, you know, at least for a little bit. Um, There's a lot more, um, I mean, just like, you know, in a lot of other industries, too, um, that we're there to give you a good time and enjoy your time there. Um, I think if everyone kind of went in and leaving, knowing that um, it'd make everything, you know, better for everybody. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. And then to get you out of here on a positive note, I think you might have mentioned this earlier, but to put a nice bow on it, what's your favorite part about working in the hospitality industry? Um, it's a really supportive community. Um, it's a really rewarding industry. Um, and it's a really creative and always changing industry too. All right. Well, listeners, viewers, however you're consuming this, if you've listened to this last hour of conversation and you don't want to check out Lyles and have this pizza, then we are two very, very different people. I cannot encourage people to go to go check this place out enough. It is just fantastic pizza. And again, I'm not trying to say better or worse, but it is a, just a little bit different with that with that crust than anything else you'll find in Omaha. Definitely go check Lyles out. Gene, thank you so much for Thanks taking for the time me. to come on the podcast today. This is a blast. Awesome. I'm glad I could finally come in and chat. It was worth the wait, worth the finding the schedules. This was amazing. I'm so, so grateful. Awesome. Thanks so much. Omaha, as always, thanks for eating with us. A Media Production.